clearly people are looking for personality on LinkedIn because everything else is Googleable. Rue, start the show! I'm Beatrice, your badass branding strategy girl, and welcome to the Art of Branding Badassery Podcast. Rue expects your best branding game. You don't want to miss out on 95% of your audience, do you? Damn, girl, is my reaction to pretty much every LinkedIn post this girl puts out. Today, we're talking about positioning your brand with differentiation. And I've got the Cleopatra of copy that can turn words into gold and marketing into magic. She's not just a content writer, but a creator. She's a force to be reckoned with. Seriously, though, she's about to get married and probably has all of LinkedIn helping her out with wedding prep. Please welcome Norhan Ilseed. Thank you so much for joining us, girl. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and speaking of the wedding, the last um, update is that I asked everyone to give me all their wedding playlist recommendations. So it's always nice to mix wedding planning with work. Um, you know, less work for me. Exactly. You have your loyal subjects and, you know, we wouldn't want to get in the way of that. But um, <laughs> no. Congratulations on the upcoming wedding, anyhow. Have you found any surprising parallels between marketing and wedding planning? I have. So with both, you have to kind of be dealing with a lot of different aspects. Um, So especially now that I am working with Um, I'm working on launching my marketing agency. So I'm working with many different freelancers and trying to, you know, get to know all of them and pick the ones that I do want to work with. And it's pretty much exactly the same as wedding planning because you're talking to different vendors and different caterers and, you know, you're Mm -hmm. trying the cakes and you're trying the, the, you're checking out venues and all of that. So it's pretty much, it's, it's a hassle both ways. Um, and trying to get both done at the same time has not been a walk in the park, but you know, getting there. It is an intense journey, like very time consuming. Yeah, it truly is. So you've shared with me about your journey of accepting your diagnosis and treatment for bipolar disorder. How has that personal experience influenced your approach to how you position yourself and your brand? So with bipolar, there's two sides to it, basically, um, hence the name bipolar. You have the depression and you have the mania. Um, most people are more familiar with depression where it's like, you know, chronic feelings of just sadness and, you know, just grief and you're low. Um, but then what people don't realize is that mania is the complete opposite of that. So you're all the way up, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling euphoria, you're happy, you're, you know, on top of the world, you think you're invincible. I remember my first manic episode, I would literally be crossing the street and not looking because I think that I have like some kind of superpower and cars cannot hit me. Um, so wow. that's pretty much mania for you. And the thing with bipolar people is that as terrifying as mania is when you come down and you like you're, you're, you finish that episode, we are always chasing that, you know, we're always chasing that high again, um, because you want to feel that, you know, that those feelings of happiness and the euphoria and all of that. But because 
back then I wasn't diagnosed. I didn't know what was happening. My first manic episode kind of just happened because I got a misdiagnosis for depression and I was medicated for that. So that kind of triggered my first manic episode that I didn't know what was happening. You know, after that, after the crash came and everything, um, it was it was really tough for a while and trying to find that little glimpse of happiness just to look for it it took a very long time so when I finally accepted that okay I think something is wrong because a therapist like my therapist back then in 2019 when I had my first episode she's like you need a new diagnosis I'm like no (laughs) I'm not bipolar I don't have a chronic illness this no that's not the case so eventually I did get diagnosed last year and I did get into treatment and everything um, and things stabilized since. But I think because of those experiences, especially because of how low the depression can be, I just never want anyone to feel that way. Mm. And because I, as a bipolar person, I am chasing that mania. Um, I am chasing those feelings of euphoria all the time. I think I found a way to give myself those feelings by making other people happy, you know, by making sure that other people can't feel, you know, or like not can, but like if someone is going through depression or if someone is going through some kind of sadness, I like to know that even for those like two minutes where they're reading a post of mine or when they're like seeing a video that I post or, you know, whatever it is, I can make them Mm. smile just a little bit. I can have some kind of positive impact on their day because I know that that, um, like those little things were the things that kept me going during those really bad depressive episodes. So I think that's kind of how my bipolar and just accepting treatment for that and realizing that okay I can't just always be chasing mania and um because with that if you're gonna be chasing the mania you're gonna have to deal with depression and that is just a whole other thing I think going through that it had to made me find different ways to get those feelings without potentially affecting my life and putting myself in danger you know and that offers you know you bringing that happiness to others. And that is a massive differentiation in the way that you present yourself, you know, with your content. And speaking of your content, I mean, I've seen you drop massive carousels, like 75 pages. And the story you tell them that many of us end up reading all the way to the end, like all 75 pages. (laughs) What role do you think storytelling plays in differentiating yourself in this space? I think it's that people are just bored of scrolling through their feeds and seeing a lot of the similar stuff where it's like everyone is always trying to be like, okay, education, like how to, um, and then bullet points and giving you exactly what you're supposed to, to, to do this. And this is how you're supposed to write your CTAs and all of that. I realized very quickly. That's what I used to do at the very beginning. Um, when I started on LinkedIn nine months ago, I thought that this is what was expected of me that I had to like, just mm. keep shoving educational content and case studies and all of that. Yeah. And I quickly got bored of it. I quickly realized, okay, I'm just kind of the same as everyone else. Um, and I realized that people are looking for something different. You know, they're looking for more 
fun. They're looking to laugh because at the end of the day, LinkedIn is still a social platform. You know, no one wants to be scrolling on their feeds and just always looking at like, you know, educational content and just it, it gets pretty bland pretty quickly. So I figured, okay, let me try to have a, like do a little shift there. And I realized that the more I personalize my my posts and my carousels and my videos, the more um, I get comments and DMs where it's just like, you know, your breath of fresh air or, you know, I like that you can have that, you know, a, a break in the feed where it's like they know that they can, even if it's a 75 page carousel, they're going to be scrolling, they're going to be having fun throughout it. And that's what I always try to do with carousels and videos, anything that is pretty long to consume. I always try to make sure, okay, it stays engaging. I can always get a few smiles out of them if it's pretty long so that, you know, they can actually keep going through it. And I think, you know, I managed to make that work um, a little bit because even though with a 75 page carousel, you're not going to be like, you can't expect you know, hundreds and hundreds of people to want to scroll through it. But the people who do, they're always pretty happy that they did, you know, at the end of it, where it's like, okay, I got a lot of value, but I also really enjoyed um, reading this. So it's like, okay, so I think I did my job. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's just making sure that you keep them engaged, you keep them smiling, you keep them, you know, you want to position yourself as someone that they, that makes them, you know, makes them happy, you know, because if, there's a lot of people trying to teach you stuff on LinkedIn, especially on LinkedIn. And exactly. you're competing and against so many. You're not just competing against other creators on LinkedIn. You're competing against Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Netflix and real life and friends and family. You know, you you have a very small amount of times to get that attention and keep it. So you want to make sure that, okay, they know when they see your name, um, that they're going to be getting something out of it, whatever that value is, whether they're going to be learning something, whether they're going to be smiling, whether they're going to be whatever it is, they know that when they see you up there, they're going to, you know, click see more and know that they were like, okay, I'm happy I did that. Um, and I think that's kind of how I approach my content. You know, I want someone at the end of it to be like, hey, that I'm so glad I, I clicked see more. You know, I'm just like, yes, okay, cool. <laughs> So what tips would you give to somebody to not do carousels like yours because at the end of the day you're targeting a specific audience, those people that do open it, right? You can't target everyone. But uh, what tips would you give to people who want to really show their persona and to really differentiate themselves, be it in carousels or in their content or in their brands Mm -hmm. um so one of the things that you know it's pretty it's pretty broad but i guess one thing is like really think about before hitting post is it possible that someone already made this before is it possible that someone scrolling through their feed already saw this today you know so if you're out there Mm -hmm. giving copywriting tips you know and you're like clear over clever and all of that how many people have probably used that phrase today a lot you know so scratch that you know take it away find a different idea and as cliche as it sounds um i think being yourself is literally the best way to go about it 
personally, when, as I said, when I first started, I was like, you know, posting case studies and just shoving marketing information out there um, and talking about the first advertisement. And I noticed when I would make the post and then I always included the PS and that's where I would like show just a little bit of personality. People would comment more on the PS versus the actual post. And that had me realizing, okay, people don't want to have, you know, all of that stuff shoved down their throats. You know, they don't want to have another marketer or another copywriter or another, you know, whatever it is telling them the same thing that they already saw through their feeds today, you know. So they would always end up commenting on the PS. So when I started, you know, putting a little bit more personality in my posts, changing a little bit away, like moving away from the educational content, doing a little bit more personal that's when I actually saw, you know, my engagement go up, the the my DMs started getting more crowded, you know, and all of that. And that's when I quickly realized, okay, so clearly people are looking for personality on LinkedIn, because everything else is Googleable, you know, um, I don't think that there's really much that you can provide um, on LinkedIn that someone can't find in a newsletter or by Googling a simple question or on YouTube. And, you know, as much as, yes, it's important to, you know, you want to keep repeating your message over and over again, because that's what you're here for. You know, you're on LinkedIn so that you can grow your professional network and get clients and, you know, um, get like gigs and jobs and all of that. So it's important to do that. But it's also important to remember that, you know, that information is everywhere, but there's not that many, there's only one of you out there, you know, there's only one you and that makes you unique. So like actually take advantage of that versus just doing the same thing that the first page of Google can do for someone. You know what I mean? Exactly. And is that where hashtag cockroaches united came from? Uh, yeah. Um, cockroaches united started out as just a complete, brain fart um it was one of those posts where I didn't even think about it that much um and it was my first viral post or like semi-viral post I had a completely different post planned but then I was like so sick of always checking my notifications and this was at the very beginning where it's like I would think that someone commented on a post of mine but instead it would be like this person and 560 other people commented on this person's post and it's like okay so it's gonna uh. be me I guess um and you know I was feeling that like low point so I was just um I made a post where I'm like okay um I just talked about how I'm literally a cockroach on LinkedIn I'm literally a nothing basically um and that I'm yeah. here to support my fellow cockroaches and at the end of the post, I'm like, okay, I pronounce myself the queen cockroach of LinkedIn. And somehow that caught on. People really liked that. And it went, you know, pretty like it. I don't want to say viral because, you know, I wouldn't say a few hundred likes is viral. But to me back then when I was getting like 20 likes a post, that to me was like, okay, like something's happening here, you know. And after that, I made the hashtag in that post, Cockroaches United. And I didn't use yeah. it for a while, but like every time I would make like a funny community post or something and I would leave the Cockroaches United, people would be like, can we make this a thing? So <laughs> it just became a thing, you know, so it just became my hashtag. And that's part of the, you know, you want to have your own personal hashtag so that your posts are all in one place and all of mm -hmm. part of the 
LinkedIn strategy. And I didn't realize that cockroaches united would end up being mine, but somehow it just worked. Um, and it's one pretty of the unique. It's pretty unique. And has anyone else used it yet? No, 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 I don't think so. Because how many people out there are actually going to call themselves a cockroach? In, in reference in reference to you, be like, oh, you know. <laughs> oh, definitely. I had, like, I had a friend send me a video, a TED video, um, about cockroaches and why we can't seem to get rid of them. I have people giving me cockroach fun facts. You know, it's... Every single post I make, I get at least one comment, someone asking me, what is that Cockroaches United thing? So I have to like link their, my, my old post that was the birth of Cockroaches United. So it's definitely a nice conversation starter there. Um, and exactly. like, yeah, many people just know me as I'm the cockroach person. I have one person who literally ever since then always comments on my posts every once in a while. He would just put cockroaches, cockroach emojis and disappear. You know, and then come back a few po- a few posts later, a few cockroach emojis, and disappear. So it's like I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> what up? There's cockroach emojis. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I mean, that's that's really interesting because you know you see on LinkedIn, right? That everybody has their own little. I mean, the people that are memorable, they're they have something about their brand. Be it like you know Luke with his pizza loving. Or giving away bacon hating um, Roman with like the flamingo, you know, ruin my brandy. There's like, there's always something a little bit extra mm-hmm. for that little bit of spice or that little bit of differentiation that makes you stand out. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna keep it or are you gonna like try to shift it to something else? Um, I think I'm definitely going to keep Cockroaches United. So, for example, a lot of people knew me for the past nine months as Cleopatra of Copy, and that kind of just came mm-hmm. up um, because I am Egyptian. So it kind of, I just wrote it and I put the little eye of Horus because my tattoo. So I'm like, you know what? It works. Um, but I quickly both realized. Them, but both the Cleopatra and the Cockroach at the same time? or yeah. and I realized that by having my headline be Cleopatra of copy that positioned me as a copywriter and that's not what I do like I'm a marketer first and foremost so I actually like recently just deleted the entire headline I'm working on a new one right now that actually you know says more about what I do so you know I think that was one of the things for a very long time that would catch people's attention you know and they would text me over it and people would connect with me because of that because the headline was unique so I think it's like just having those little things that people can always like remember you by so and something that relates to you so for example your rue anyone who like see that it's like okay one badass um two australian um makes sense and for me it's like okay the cleopatra of copy the eye of horus um that was like a little um ode to my background which i'm egyptian and I don't know. I think you want to put a little bit of you in there that also adds a little bit of like, you know, a little spice um, gives that that little where it's like, okay, yeah, I know this person. They're 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 unique. They do their thing, you know, so whether that's a color or an element or a name or 
as you said, the, for example, Roman was actually the person who gave me this idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our first conversation, he was just, we were talking about the flamingos and the Cleopatra and all of that. And I'm just like, and he has the flamingo shirt. So I'm just like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to find a shirt with like the eye of Horus on it. So he was just like, you can just make one. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, ah, that is a very smart point. So I got a hoodie and I got this embroidered on it. And I'm like, perfect. Thank you for that. Um, So I sent it to him and I'm just like, thanks for that idea, by the way. You're rock, bro. You know, so you want to find something like that. You know, you want to find something that people are like, yes, that's Beatrice. You are are not going to find another kangaroo with a bat and sunglasses anywhere else not just on linkedin just anywhere else on the internet (laughs) you know that's one thing that really like differentiates you and gets you out there and that's not even besides having your brand colors and your fonts and all of that those keeping those consistent is a whole different story um but you want to have just that little thing that really makes you stand out and so there's one question that i ask everybody that comes on the show And that question is, what is the biggest societal norm that you want to push back on and teach others about in in general? I don't want to like make it sound cliche or whatever, but I think it would be just how women continue to be treated um, professionally, because Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I personally struggled with. I quick backstory, I studied in America, you know, and I moved over there when I was 17. I was literally a kid. and I'm just like, you know, I want a better future for myself. So I went there, I got a degree, I did internships and worked part time. And you know, my CV was full. And then when I moved back here in 2019, and I got my degree and everything, I moved back to Saudi Arabia, I quickly realized that I can't get hired, you know, because I'm a foreign woman. So even though I was born and raised here and I lived my entire life here, I can't get hired except, you know, in four um, industries, which is, is a doctor or a teacher or a housekeeper at a hotel or a domestic worker. You know, those are the only four places that I can work at and I do marketing. So and that's where my degree is from. That's what my experience is. And I applied to hundreds yeah. and hundreds of jobs and I would hear nothing back um, versus my male equivalent would have been snatched off the market right away. That person would have been making six figures by now, you know, with with their the, the experience and the expertise versus, you know, me, I had to start out freelancing and my first client paid me $150, you know, for three social platforms. I was working 70 hours a week. And to yeah. this day, I still struggle with that because, you know, we see it not just, you know, um, in real life, but we see it on LinkedIn as well. All you look at the favicon list, list, for example, the top names, men, (laughs) Um, you know, mostly males, mostly, you know, from the West. And that's kind of what I always see all the times whenever someone is like, tag your favorite creators. Again, like 70, 80% of them are men. And I think it's kind of like they only add a few women in there just to pass the Bechdel test. 
(laughs) Yeah, that's one of the things that it really gets on my nerves because as much as just a society as a whole, we try to think, okay, we're progressing. Women are, you know, starting to get recognized more for that they're, they're equals, you know, it's, we're still a long way from that. And I don't like that people are just trying to make it seem that we're there because we're not there. There's still a huge wage gap. There's still, we still have to work twice as hard as our male equivalents to get people to take us seriously. And, you know, that's one of the things that I wish would be talked about more um, without feeling like you're going to have someone be like, hey, get over it, you know, Um, because you definitely get a lot of that. And, you know, again, you see it on LinkedIn all the time. Um, Everyone that has been banned, for example, that I know, they've been female so far um, because they would say something or, you know, they would say an opinion um, regarding, you know, gender roles or equal rights or anything like that. And someone would always get offended and report them. You see that happening a lot, but you really have to focus on it to actually notice what's going on. And I think that's one of the things that I really wish people would, you know, really, really talk about more and start to work on more you know, so that we can actually start progressing (laughs) as a society. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you again for joining, Norana. How can people reach you? Well, they can definitely reach me on my page on LinkedIn. So at Nurhan Mm -hmm. Sayed, you can also follow me on Instagram at the eSocial Butterfly. Um, And there's my website, also the eSocialButterfly.com. Unfinished yet, but hopefully it will be so yeah thanks yeah thank you so much those details will also be in the episode description and drop any questions you like answered about this show in comments on linkedin or otherwise and of course you don't want to miss out on 95 percent of your audience do you 